At Urban Farm Podcast, we are all about education, and April is Foliar Feeding Month. Have you heard of it? It is a super simple application of spraying liquid organic fertilizer on your trees and garden plants. The leaves, branches, and trunks are incredible at absorbing nutrients. And if your soil isn't great or your pH is off, foliar feeding is a quick and long-lasting fix to get your plants the nutrients they need. Want to learn more? Join us for our free online webinar on how to apply this amazing process to your gardens and fruit trees. Visit urbanfarm.org to sign up. That's urbanfarm.org. Greetings, urban farmers, gardeners, and healthy food visionaries. Farmer Greg here, and welcome to the 424th episode of the Urban Farm Podcast, where every day we work together to educate and inspire you to become part of your food revolution. I'm very excited about my last interview and today's, where I chat with one of my longtime gardening heroes, John Jevons. We were talking on recording day, and I just let him continue sharing his wisdom. Welcome to part two. Today on our podcast, we have someone who empowers people globally to build food security while using very little land. We're talking with John Jevons about biologically intensive gardening and farming. John has been the director of Ecology Action Mini Farming Program since 1972 and is the author of How to Grow More Vegetables, a book on biointensive sustainable mini farming in use in over 150 countries in virtually all climates and soils. John advises on projects in countries such as Mexico, Kenya, Russia, and India, as well as all corners of the U.S. Ecology Action has been a nonprofit since 1971 and currently has two research demonstration sites in California. Their mission, to teach people worldwide to better feed themselves while building and preserving the soil and conserving resources through the Grow Biointensive Closed-Loop Small-Scale Agriculture System. Welcome to the show today, John. Are you ready to rock biointensive growing? Yes, absolutely. There was so much great information in John's podcast interview that we decided to split it in two. So we are picking up where we left off from last Saturday's podcast. So I'm going to shift on you, and I'd like for you to talk about a time you failed, how you overcame that failure, and what you might have learned from it. We're failing all the time and learning from it. And so one, one example is we hadn't been reaching as many people in the world as we would prefer to easily reach, even though one of the people we trained when he went back to Costa Rica and trained the native Costa Ricans, they said, wow, he wasn't teaching numbers. He just was teaching the techniques. They said, this is intuitive. So one of our best associates, Margot Royer-Miller, spent two and a quarter years writing the farmer's manual. It's very simple, very direct, very accurate, has some illustrations, and has very few numbers. So for years, we've been wanting to have a how to grow that was only pictures. And this isn't that, but it's as close as we could get. So that's uh, how we morphed out of not being as effective as we would have preferred. Mm -hmm. And what do you consider your biggest success? Oh, well, I, I think the fact that there's people in 152 countries, and it's climbing still, that are using this successfully. And through our publications, through our website, through 
people we've trained and people who have trained that we've trained who train other people. And our goal was not for Grow Biointensive or Ecology Action or John Jevons to be the focus point. The focus point is enabling people to catalyze themselves to be proactive to grow their own food and soil. And that's just, it's happening. We're just so pleased that people almost universally are enjoying it. And something like 80% of the food is all in the world is raised by small farmers. And and something that's surprising, this is sort of an aside, only 1.9% of the farmable land in the United States is organic growing for food, for people. And 1.6% of the farmable land in the United States is an organic farming for fodder, for animals. Globally, only 1% of farmable land in the world is inorganic. Already we're in a situation of peak farming nutrient in organic and chemical fertilizer form. So already we're on the downslope to where there's beginning to be shortages or relative shortages. So there's a way around that, and we have a book called Future Fertility that addresses that situation and how to overcome it. We also have another book, both written by the same man, a fantastic individual friend and associate, John Beebe, and his other book is called Test Your Soil with Plants. So you can actually, without having to use chemicals, you can read the plants, both the wild plants and the cultivated plants. Oh, yes. And do a complete soil test. One of the plants will tell you, and I can't remember which one, i got to go memorize it, but uh, it will tell you that vehicle went over the ground four years earlier. Wow. This book's a whole system, and so besides evaluating and having color pictures to help you see how to read the plant, it tells you once you've done your evaluation which kinds of organic fertilizers you need and what amount. Oh, how cool. John Beebe also, for those who want it, because, of course, it takes time to build up that skill, uh-huh. he has this fantastic soil testing service called growyoursoil.org. He also has another website that is harvestandnutritionplanner.org. It's just amazing the resources that have grown out of grow biointensive and biologically intensive gardening and farming. Wow. Congratulations. Well, wow. Well, you're impacting for decades as well with what you're doing. So thank you. Woohoo! I'll take it. What drives you? The happiness of seeing the vision of everybody thriving and living well and the choreography that's necessary to get it there. Mm-hmm. And the, each person reaching their full potential. It's amazing. One, one of the things that I do often in one of our internships, uh, the sumi wrestlers from Japan, they do a push as warm-up. And when you do it, you see, most people don't believe that they can use all their energy. So I, I don't know quite how to describe it, but you clasp hands, you face each other, you mirror image your feet, and the goal is for each one of you to push the other over backwards with all your energy. Mm -hmm. But the second goal is to not be successful. So two things happen here. The first thing is most people have never been asked to use all their energy. And so when they feel their whole energy being exerted, and then it frees them up in a way that because they're the full self energetically. Mm -hmm. It's just 
beautiful to see. But at the same time, the second thing, you realize you can have all your energy and you don't have to push somebody over because the second goal is to not be successful right. at pushing the other person over. I've taken a keto, and one of the things that I like about it is it blends the physical, the mental, and the spiritual all into one, and they ask you to do these impossible things, but they're not impossible. So we have, we've already compromise. We think I can't do this or that or the other thing. So one of the questions that I ask people is, what do you want to do more than anything else in the whole world, even if you think it's impossible? Mm -hmm. And the answers that come out are just liberating for people. And yeah. some, sometimes they're professional, sometimes they're very personal. And I, I tell them not to tell me the answer if they don't want to, because what the real thing is to just acknowledge your full self. And this goes back in with Jed Diamond's webinars on ecologyaction.tv is growing yourself first. And then you've got a lot to give away. Wow, that's beautiful. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be and why? Oh, I have difficulty with that because... We have so many books, right? Yes, you and I both have tons of books, but I'm going to just have one that's about Native American herbology, and it has about 3,000 herbs used by 125 tribes. When I got shingles, I looked it up in there, and I used several things, but one of them was what was in that book. And she had this traditional wisdom. It's exciting. But the one I want to recommend is called Hedgerows. H E D-G-E-R-O-W-S? Exactly. And it's you can surf for it online, and it's inexpensive. But if everyone who uh, hears this goes, uh, the price will go up. <laughs> it's out of print. It's in color. And you can grow living fences that keep deer out, that have fruit and nuts to eat. And it has wood in it that enables you to make tools, all, all many of the tools that you use in your garden. Mm -hmm. it's The whole book is in color. It shows from going to autumn to winter to spring to summer, the way the hedgerow looks different. It lists the different trees and bushes that you use to grow this living fence. Mm -hmm. Why not have something that feeds you and keeps the deer out? It's beautiful to look at, enables you to grow all the parts of a bow rake. You can even grow a covered wagon with it. Wow. It's one of my favorite books. We're going to begin in 2019 growing a 10 running foot section of it around our one acre mini farm here. And then from the experience and learning from that, we're having a, a man who's into trees uh, design it for us, given some information we have. Then we're going to extend it around the whole garden over the following five years. Oh, nice. What one final piece of advice do you have for our listeners? Well, the first thing that I would recommend is that everybody grow 100 square feet of two different crops. The first one is 65-day maturing variety of Peruvian, also known as Irish potatoes. The one particularly nice one is Yukon Gold mm -hmm. that I like. And I've researched it, and whether you grow a 65-day maturing, 90-day maturing, or 120-day maturing, the yields and the nutrition are virtually all the same. And the second crop is growing 100 square feet of a 90-day maturing 
flour corn or tortilla corn. Mm -hmm. And one that I can recommend there is red mandan because red mandan can be a sweet corn. It can be a dry corn and it can be an in-between corn. Like with beans, you have green beans, you have shell beans, and you have dry beans. Well, there's the equivalent of shell beans for corn. And the red mandan, besides being beautiful, is all three of those. And Seeds of Change, I believe, carries that. A flour corn or tortilla corn, that's very popular in a lot of Latin American countries. But the reason why I'd like people to do this is you're going to get to know these two crops really well. Yeah. And they're the basis of getting all your calories and with the corn, a lot of your biomass for growing all your complete diet for yourself and your complete diet for the soil, the compost crop materials, the biomass in a thousand to 2000 square feet. So a lot of people are not thinking they grow potatoes, but they're not thinking of growing it in the shortest time period. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people grow sweet corn, but to get all your calories takes about 50 to 100% more area to grow all your calories with sweet corn, and you have to eat a really heavy weight of that. And you want some sweet corn, it's fun and tasty, but people need to learn how to grow the tortilla corn, if you will, or, or flour corn. Something that we all need to know, too, is if you grow sweet corn, I want to describe to everyone how you can be extraordinarily effective in terms of biomass. And if you come to a three-day workshop, we have charts that show how this is manifested. If you have the sweet corn is 60-day generally. So when you harvest that at the right point and enjoy eating it, you want to keep watering and growing for another 30 days the sweet corn stalks. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because in that additional 30 days, an additional 50% of time, you double the amount of carbon that you're growing for compost. Oh, wow. That's cool. And another thing that you learn at a three-day workshop is if you harvest cereal rye at a certain point, I've forgotten the exact point, you get a certain amount of biomass and dry weight biomass. But if you let it go two more weeks, you sort of almost exponentially increase the amount of dry biomass that you get. So we teach in patterns and stepping stages. So a lot of people say, well, gee, can I come to the Saturday, Sunday one? We would say no, because you need the building blocks of the first one, mm -hmm. which lead to the second day, which lead to the third day. And at the end of it, we all design uh, together. We break into groups and everybody designs a one bed unit. So a one-bed unit is like 60% of it or 60 square feet of the 100 square feet is in 60% crops. 30 square feet or 30% of it is in 30% crops and 10% of it is in 10% crops, which is for vegetables and income. And by the way, if you're growing a 2,000 square foot unit and 10% of it is in vegetable and income crop, that's going to be 200 square feet. Now, it turns out you only need 100 square feet in order at that level of productivity, the intermediate yield level, uh -huh. to grow all your vegetables for the missing vitamins and minerals that you need. You can use the other 100 square feet in order to grow income. And with there's crops where you can grow $20,000 in one season by growing tomatoes for seeds. For seeds? Yeah. 
Wow. Where I thought you were going with that was growing tomatoes to share with people and sell at the farmer's markets. No, you go to seed, but then what you do, you scoop the seeds out, uh-huh. you put them in water and let them ferment for two or three days because yep. this means that all the diseases that are in them are fermented out. And then, but you can eat the tomatoes or convert it into V8 juice. And the, the, the thing about income crops is you only want to use 10% or less, preferably 1% of your growing area for income crops because you're marketing your minerals. Oh, yes. The average farmer in the United States in 2011 earned net approximately $37,500 working 40 to 60 hours a week or more. Uh-huh. And he or, he or she had to work off the farm in a non-farm job to earn an equal amount to get it up to about 70k which was the average income but if you choose your crop correctly you can actually have an income mini farm that is just so tiny you wouldn't believe it yeah it's all about learning about the plant personalities you know you've mentioned that a couple of times and i want to dig into it a little bit what do you mean when you say plant personalities the master charts on how to grow tell you how how many weeks or months it takes to grow it. So leeks, for example, are a eight-month relationship. It's in the first flat for six weeks, then it's in the second flat for six weeks. And so now we're up to three months. And the reason you want to prick it out from one flat into another flat, we have photographs that are in the manual for the three-day workshop that show how the root systems change. If you have lots more roots and root hairs in a crop that's been pricked out once or twice. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it's healthier, it produces better. And also you don't use your growing bed time. So you can be growing other crop, whether it's for food, for compost, or for income uh, in the bed while you're raising these leek seedlings. You transplant them in. And at the first day of the fifth month, you go and you break off so now, oh, let's see, I should back this up one step. I'm going to describe how to get four times the yield compared to what you might get of yield of nutrition with leeks. First of all, what you want to do is most people transplant leeks and onions when the seedling is a number two pencil lead thin or in diameter. But if you wait until they're as big to transplant into the ground and this picking out helps get it there to where they're as big in diameter as a number two pencil, then what's going to happen is you have the opportunity to get up to double the yield in weight. And then, but then it's in the ground for five, up to five months. Right. On the first day of the fifth month, what you do is you take the little pointy leaf, a representative one, and you break it off and you put it in your mouth and you chew on it and pow, you know, it's really strong. Uh And it also melts in your mouth because there's no fiber. So at the second week, third week, fourth week, as many times as you need to uh, in that month, you do the same thing. Break off a little piece of leaf, put it in your mouth. The second week, it's still going to go pow and there may be a little more fiber, but it's still going to melt in your mouth. By about the third week, what may happen is it doesn't go pow anymore. Uh It just tastes good. And it's got fiber, not fiber like you're going to floss with. And so that's when you harvest it. And the reason that this then doubles your nutrition again is the tops of the leeks have about as much nutrition 
as the bottoms. And when you buy it in the store, they've chopped the green part off or most of it. And that's because they let it grow too long and it gets into where the greens are flossing material. Oh, right. And they're, they're so fibrous. What I've just described is a part of the plant oh, personality for right. the leek. In addition in how to grow more vegetables, it tells you the, the optimal temperature range. It tells you the overall temperature range for growing it and all sorts of uh, information. So you write that down on a piece of paper. We hope a year from now to have the plant personality form. We'll probably put it online for free so people can create their own plant personality profile. Wow. Cool. You know, and I've grown leeks before, not successfully. And I think you just answered my question as to why I haven't been successful. I was harvesting them at the wrong time. Well, and also in Arizona where you are, it's so hot and you have an eight-month period that you're growing them in, you're going to have to figure out what the best eight-month growing oh, period is. Oh, yes. Uh, and then you can use a chart on how to grow where it, it shows cold, cool, warm, and hot crops and what their temperature ranges are. Then the other thing about leeks is when Matt Druno, our vice president and the mini farm manager for Victory Gardens for Peace, it's on the Mendocino coast, and I both were number crunching to make sure we had a diet that was nutritionally complete that could fit and be grown in 10 beds. If your soil was in really good quality, you had a decent climate, and you had a good skill. Turns out that leeks have some amino acids that are not generally available in a lot of the other crops. Wow. So when you put leeks and potatoes together and then tree collards, mm -hmm. which is another thing, and you make potato leek soup with some tree collards in it, and the tree collards aren't bitter like regular collards, and you actually have a nutrition bomb, a positive one. Mm -hmm. Wow. So tree collards, that's interesting that you would bring that up. I have been trying to locate tree collards to start growing them here in Phoenix, and I'm having trouble finding them. Any ideas on where to find them? I sure do, but uh, I don't have it memorized. So what I do is I'll, I'll send, there's a place in Willits that you can order them from. Oh, very good. And there's a wonderful man who grows them and, and ships them. There's certain times of the year when you it's best to ship them so that it's not too hot or too cold. Uh-huh. And then Ecology Action has an information sheet, but if you go to the Heirloom, Heirloom Gardener magazine, sometime in the last three years, there's an article written by me on tree collards, and, and so it has all the care and feeding information. Perfect. Tree collards, it's an amazing plant here. It gets six, seven feet tall and grows yeah. perennially here. They'll grow for several years. Well, Richard Jeske is the man who raises the tree collards here from the mother collard that we got. We, When we moved from Palo Alto, we'd been trying to find a tree collard because we knew people in East Bay were growing them, but we couldn't find any. And then it was someone leaving the orphan child on your back doorstep uh -huh. at our store, and there was the tree collard. And then that mother collard we brought up here, and she grew 12 feet high and was the mother of all the other tree collards that are all over Willits and that you can buy from Richard Jeske. Cool. All right, we'll have that in the show notes as well. I want to talk about your three-day seminar that you give twice a year. Tell me about it and why somebody should come and take it. Oh, wow, because it will save you years of learning, <laughs> basically. And so, first of all, we put the world in perspective and bring it down to local. We show how you can have your own victory garden in your backyard, 
we teach you everything about soil preparation, about compost, about seed propagation, all of the companion planting rotations, what I'm forgetting about 60% crops, 30% crops, 10% crops. And there's some surprising ways to teach that by actually holding up an amount of leeks, which might be 16 pounds to get all your calories for the day. How if you're doing beans, it's a different amount. And Mm -hmm. if you do corn for polenta, it's one amount. But then if it's for tortillas, it's a lot less weight. So when you actually see these things in weight and volume, it communicates it in a way that's even easier to internalize. We talk about seeds. And you can actually grow all the seeds for the next year's garden yes. in your current garden in just about 3 to 4% additional area. And we have a booklet, self-teaching booklet number 13, Growing to Seed. And it's just a, a marvelous booklet. It's on our growbiointensive.org website. And there's a drop-down menu, and there's a thing that's under publications that says EPUB. And it's on there, and it's free if you're paid on your income, or you can make a donation. But it's uh, one of the things it has in the master charts in column L is how many of a particular crop, how many plants do you need to grow in order to ensure genetic diversity? Oh, yes. So with some, like I think parsnips, I believe it's one. With wheat, it's five. Oh, and I'll tell you something exciting about wheat in a moment. But with corn, it's like 50 to 200. But no other publication tells you how many to grow in order to maintain genetic uh, diversity within the particular crop you're growing. That's important. Yeah, And I can't remember if what I'm going to describe is in booklet 13 or not, but it's fun. If you're growing wheat and each season, at the end of the season, you choose the five best crops in terms of biomass, the tillering, and the weight of the seeds grown, which you can visually see. So you take the five best plants and you save the seed from them and plant them next year. Mm -hmm. Then what happens is it increases the yield by 10% every year. So at the end of 10 years, you're at more than double the wheat yield. Wow, really? Yeah, so this is the kind of thing that you can learn more about in a three-day workshop. Also, we have two-month, four-month, six-month, and eight-month internships. We have one-year, two-year, and three-year apprenticeships. And we have farmer-teacher-trainer staff jobs And we give preference to people who are qualified who want to do this for like 10 years or more. And the apprenticeships are not places to come. And the eight-month internships are not places to come to decide if you are interested in biointensive. The people who take those should already have just narrowed down to say, this is what I want to do. Yeah. The two-month internship is a place to come if you already think it might be something you wanted to add that to your knowledge for your shopping list. And then we also have part one and part two of nine Saturdays course. And in that, you learn the basics. This is for people who live closer by. Mm -hmm. But as you get the basics in part one and in part two, you can create your own diet. It's for planning organization, creating a complete diet for yourself and for your soil. Anyway, we have fun teaching them. I can tell that you have fun teaching them. And you're really out to change the world and how we grow food here, I can tell. 
Well, and I think it's the world of ourselves that we need to change. Right. <laughs> and, and, and we're doing it in so many places that as we change ourselves, it, the world might change. Why not? Yeah, well, exactly. Why not do it? Because what else do we have better to do, right? Yeah, and the alternative is, is not optimal. <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. It's been wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the show today, John. Well, thank you for having the show. Uh, this might take a few minutes, but I want to review how our listeners can get a hold of you. First, there's growbiointensive.org. What can we find there? What you can find there is everything that we're doing, including compost protocol, sustainability protocol, soil protocol, and you can even test yourself to see what level of sustainability you're at. And there's so much on there, it's almost hard to describe it, but something that I'd like to encourage everybody to take a peek at is the video Grow. It's on the homepage, and that video is a 12-minute. It's from the GBAC NGO in Kenya. Anyway, I, I don't want to give anything away, but it's very good. Then there's another one. What it does is a lot of people say, well, I'm too old. I can't make a difference. We have a 60-year-old, a 70-year-old, and an 80-year-old who are all changing themselves, catalyzing the proactivity for other people to get involved. And the 80-year-old is Mary Zellichild. I've been working with her now for about almost 30 years. When she turned 80, she's 87 now, wow. she said, this is what I was made for. And so when she got bored, she'd write a proposal for a whole continent. I mean, that's how good she is. And one of the things Ecology Action has is to meet the challenges that are happening in Africa. We have a proposal for $8 million that would train 400,000 farmers in all the African countries, all 54 countries, proportional of their populations for just $10 a person. Wow. And we've used this approach in Kenya, so we know it works. Uh -huh. We only train about, I'll say, 120 people a year, but then they train other people. And mm -hmm. then those people train other people. And there's follow-ups in order to make sure that questions people have get answered. We also have a program like that for Latin America, where all 42 countries in South Caribbean, Central America, 500,000 people get trained for about $10 a person. Excellent. And all we got to do is get the funding. We got the people, and it will come. Yes, absolutely. And then there's ecologyaction.tv where you have your videos. Yes, so that we did about 75 hours professionally. A wonderful videographer, Matt Anderson, who uh, videoed it, this camera like I can't even believe. <laughs> it was so beautiful. He's a wonderful videographer, and we have about 17 of the 75 hours online so far. As we get more funding, we'll have all of it online. One of the segments is, I believe, five or ten minutes long, and it's called The Apple. And that's just really fun. It shows using the apple as the earth, what is happening to the world's soils. Then Matt Anderson has a, another one where he has a bunch of the uh, participants. We, we had the teachers were key biointensive teachers from all over the world. We had participants from a number of different countries. At one point, I at a totally different thing when we were all talking with the participants, I threw an apple as a guy who was, I believe, from Korea, and he caught it. So there's a way in which Matt Anderson has cut in 
this guy catching the apple that sort of picks up on the five minute thing. Uh-huh. Half of the segments are free and the others cost a dollar ninety nine each. And then there's your website. Yes, and my website has my blogs that I put on a new one weekly. Uh-huh. This week, what will be going on is one about uh, Hopi survival predictions. And it's just, it's fascinating. It's, it's upbeat, but the fact that they knew so far back what was going to happen and what to do, that's good. And there's another one that's going either, either is already on or going to be part of this one. It's called The Survival Cookbook. And it's one of the most fun, upbeat cookbooks, not only recipes, but approaches to things that I've ever seen. So there's that kind of thing. Events that I'm doing are on there. Some articles that either I or other people have written about our work are on there. And so it's uh, you, you can surf it. Perfect. It's not nearly as gigantic as uh, college acting. <laughs> yeah. That's johnjevins.org. Well, it has been absolutely incredibly delightful to have you on the show. You're, you're one of my heroes for many decades. Once again, thank you, thank you, thank you very much for being here. Well, you're welcome, and you and Janet are, one of, are my, some of my heroes now, too. Uh, I didn't know what you were doing, and I'm so glad. Well, thank so, you. So anyway, have, have a good upcoming 2019. Perfect. Thank you. You can find show notes from today's podcast at urbanfarm.org forward slash John Jevons. We are your urban farming resource. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and every place where podcasts are found. Also visit urbanfarm.org to find articles, podcasts, webinars, courses, and more. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us on the Urban Farm Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Urban Farm Podcast. Remember to listen for tips, advice, and resources to help you on your journey with urban farming. You can find us on the web at urbanfarm.org or send us an email to podcast at urbanfarm.org. In the words of Vincent Van Gogh, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Be encouraged that with each lesson learned and skill developed, you are one step closer in the direction of your dreams. One of the first things that many of us learn when we start to garden is how to water and fertilize the soil. But there is an exception to this rule and it's called foliar feeding. You should foliar feed or water the leaves of your plant with liquid fertilizer when you want certain nutrients to be absorbed better. Not only are the leaves great at uptaking liquid fertilizer, if your soil isn't very good or your pH is off, foliar feeding can help your veggies and fruit trees quickly get the nutrients they need to thrive. If you're ready to start foliar feeding for maximum growth yields and quality, head on over to urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves to see our selection of foliar feeding products. That's urbanfarm.org forward slash feed the leaves.